So what ends up happening now is that landlords become more skeptical about entering the rental market. And and, and we need them because we need them to add supply to the rental market. If you have that, if you have that empty rental unit, or if you have that empty condo that you left because you bought a home, or you have that empty basement suite or, or you know, laneway house, uh, we need you to get that unit and put it in the rental market so we can add supply and we can solve the vacancy crisis out there. And unfortunately, by making it harder and harder and riskier and riskier to become a landlord, the government is, is actually disincentivizing them from doing that, right? And we, I, think, I think we have some stats. Last time I checked, there was 1.3 million empty units across Canada. Wow. Which is a crazy number. is the founder and CEO of Single Key. Filler holds an MBA from Ivy Business School and a computer engineering degree from the University of Toronto. Prior to Single Key, he led a data science team at TD Bank in consumer credit and started his career in credit risk at Capital One. He's an experienced entrepreneur having successfully founded and exited a previous company. Filler is passionate about innovation in the financial sector and the disrupting power of fintech. And if you aren't familiar with Single Key, they take the stress out of renting. It helps landlords find the right tenants, and it helps manage the risk that comes with renting, serving both the landlord and the tenant. They're basically like a bridge that makes managing that relationship easier. It's a platform that I use myself, and that's why I was really looking forward to this conversation, and it was not in any way sponsored by Single Key. Let's get into it. Villar, I'm so excited to have you here today. We're going to get into so many amazing things about the rental market, about what you do at Single Key, and all of the amazing things that you've built. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to kind of get into it, Nika, and hopefully your your listeners find, find this helpful. Oh, I 100% think that they will. Being in the position uh, and the, the market that we're seeing right now, where the rental market is just booming because people are afraid of interest rates, there's a lot that we can go into here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think the big kind of like news story now is that like rentals are getting out of control. The prices are are, are skyrocketing, and um, we were kind of looking into this phenomenon to try to figure out like what's causing this. You know, um, and initially, you know, I think that the, the easy answer is like, well, interest rates are going up, uh, um, mortgage payments are getting more expensive, and landlords are passing that cost onto the tenants, right? Mm-hmm. But truthfully, that's actually not hard. That's not easy to do because technically, technically, the market will only bear a certain price, and, and whatever that that it, it's more of a supply and demand type of situation, more so than you can't just charge just because your your mortgage payments are, are more expensive, you can't just charge a higher price and get away with it as a landlord. What's happening though is that we're seeing that typically on on BAU or, or under normal market conditions, you have a number of tenants that are basically entering the rental market each month. And you have a number of tenants that are graduating away from the rental market, moving into home ownership and other kind of uh, options. And what's happening now is that people are still entering the, the the rental market, but nobody's exiting it because nobody wants to leave and become a homeowner or buy into a, a basically a dropping real estate market. And because the prices are going down, interest rates are still expected to increase. Everybody's kind of staying put and waiting for prices to de- to, to continue to decrease. So that 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 supply and demand can component now, we're seeing more and more uh, renters. There's more demand on the rental side, and supply is the same. Therefore, price is going up. So that's my my hypothesis. I think in terms of what's happening, given kind of the you know the, the market conditions, and you know I, I feel like until until it makes sense to, to, to enter the, the market from a from a you know from a purchase perspective until kind of prices bottom out 
I think this is going to continue to become a bigger and bigger problem. And I think many of our customers we've talked to uh, on the lender side said that, hey, you know, I've been in the business for up to 17 years. This is the hottest real estate market we've ever seen. Or the rental market, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I, on the renter side, I have a bunch of friends that are real estate agents, I'm sure, as we all do. You know, your aunt, your sister, your friend, everybody's a real estate agent. So one thing that I'm seeing from these conversations is that there are bidding wars for rentals and there are rental pre offer presentation dates oh yeah we've never seen before so it's it's fascinating it's so competitive now to get into a space um so i'm happy that you brought that up it, it's not just bidding wars but it's also now like uh, um you know and, and this is something that's very challenging for a lot of tenants and i'll give you a story we, we actually share our office here at Tsunoki with uh, another prop tech company and the cto of that company the, the gentleman is very well off uh, financially his lease was up was looking for a place to move to just last month he had to actually drop 12 months of, of rent paid up front as a deposit to be able to get that lease. And he said he had been looking for weeks, you know, applied or, or kind of applied at 20 plus leases. And the only way he could land a lease was by actually having offering to pay 12 months around the front to be able to sign that lease. So it, it wasn't Madness. that he had that credit. It wasn't that he didn't have income or, or, or you know, wasn't a good applicant. It's just that's how hot the market is right now. The landlords can get away with charging for 12 months of rent up front and people will pay it, which is crazy. Well, I guess like what you said, it comes down to supply and demand. So if there is demand and you know people are willing to pay 12 months up front, and that's what the market uh, price is. Exactly, right. And it's not always the right solution. I think, you know, we we advise our clients to kind of stay away from those large upfront uh, rental deposits. You know, as you know, here at Single Key, our mission is to take the risk of renting for, you know, for homeowners who, who rent. And the big part of that is our, our rent guarantee program that guarantees the rent to landlords if tenants don't pay, covers damages to the property up to $10,000 in case of vandalism uh, and, and willful damage by the tenant. It also covers legal fees in case, you know, in case you need legal support for, for an eviction or, or similar uh, use cases. And, and, you know, now we're having these conversations with landlords and saying, guys, you probably shouldn't be getting that six or 12 months deposit front for two reasons. First of all, it doesn't really protect you because, you know, the, the reason these guys are asking for these large deposits is they're worried that, hey, my, my mortgage payment just went up by 50%, right? I, I need to make sure that this tenant is going to pay that rent because I need that income. I need that rental income to cover my mortgage payments each month and, and to be able to afford to carry this, this, this mortgage and carry this property. So that's why they're, they're thinking that, hey, by asking for a bigger deposit, they're basically reducing the risk. And all they're doing is they're they're postponing the risk because what an, what ends up happening after month six, you know, when the tenants actually have to start paying them on the monthly basis, if they if they choose to default, if they choose to not pay the rent, pay the rent and not leave and, and stay in the property, it's still going to take you another eight months to to get that tenant out by going to the LTB, given the backlog currently in in the system, right? So you still have that that risk of losing eight months of rental income and going through an eviction process. Uh, um, and, and all you're doing is delaying it by asking for that big rent check up front. It's not like you can take that and, and apply to the lost rental income. Um, and then secondly, once you do get in front of a judge at, at the LTB, you're you're going to get fined. You're going to because you're not allowed to actually ask for, for. You're only allowed to ask for first and last month's rent at, at least in Ontario, right? So when you do get in front of them, it's not going to look good on you. It's you're going to have a much harder time, you know, at the LTB. So if anything, you're adding more risk to your business by, by doing that. A much better solution in, instead of asking for a huge deposit up front is get, get the tenant to, to basically pay for the rent guarantee. So get on our rent guarantee program. It's only going to cost about 5% of the monthly rent. So on your typical you know, $2,000 a month, one bedroom, that's an extra 100 bucks a month. And that's a lot easier on the tenants to, to, to be able to pay an extra 100 bucks a month as opposed to having to pay 
2,000 times 12 months up front, $24,000 to, to their landlord when they sign a lease, right? So it's a win-win for everybody. Easier for tenant to pay. It, it takes away the risk for the landlord much more effectively than a deposit does. And, you know, if there is any any trouble with the, with the tenant, then you do have to you know, take legal action. Yeah, you're, it's much more. It's a much more compliant way of offsetting your risk because you know you won't run into any trouble, uh, you know, at the LTB. Plus, we'll be there to, to support you on the legal side and have one of our paralegals take care of that process. You know, support you at the hearing. So, you know, that's how we're trying to counter counteract it. Uh, we're we're also looking into some interesting kind of proposals now where, you know, we go directly to the tenant and and saying, hey, are you having trouble lending a lease agreement or lending a lease? Right. So, enroll into our rent guarantee program. We will effectively act as, act as your guarantor. And now you can go to your lender and say, look, I'm a risk-free tenant because if I don't pay, single key will cover your rent for up to 12 months, cover damages, right, legal fees. So you should you should lease to me instead of everybody else um, because you know I, I'm guaranteed to pay. It's not just relevant to kind of like everyday Canadians, but also like if you're a student, it's your first, if your first time applying, you, you have no credit or low credit or you know, you're new to Canada. So we're looking for ways to also um, basically offer this to, um, you know, to some of these kind of, uh, to, to the segment of the population that, that's having a bit more, more of a harder time as, as a way for them to get a bit of a leg up and get easier access to housing. And we've even kind of, we've even done some initiatives with uh, uh, Ukrainian refugees, for example, coming in, no credit score, very difficult time finding a lease. We, we will go ahead and actually kind of approve them uh, automatically, uh, and we can even kind of bypass our, our approval criteria because typically we do require income or we require employment, and, and there's some uh, some requirements for the rent guarantee. But we will typically bypass them for you know for 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 these new Canadians to help them get easier access to housing. Miller, that's that's amazing to hear. Like that really hits close to home. I have so many family friends and you know people that have been moving from Ukraine through Poland, you know, landing in Canada, don't have any credit history, don't are how you know, qualified doctors or have amazing careers back home. But when they land here, they don't have any Canadian experience. They don't have any credit. And it's challenging for them to find a place to live. And um, Alex and I, we rent out a couple units in our home. And that's one thing that we're, we've been seeing um, when people apply is, yeah. you know, if they come from a situation like this, we want to be able to help out. But unfortunately, they don't have the the credit. So really happy you brought that up. There's a few things in that that I want to speak to because, as always, sometimes when we talk about terms or, you know, lexicon that not everybody in this industry understands, I want to be able to break it down. So a couple of things I picked up on there. Prop tech for anyone who is new to the term, you want to define that for us? Yeah, prop tech are basically companies that operate in kind of uh, the real estate space. So uh, or, or the companies that bring technology to to the real estate space. Kind of, you know, single key being one of them. Uh, our company. Um, so whether it's you know properly or single key or uh, whoever kind of uh, facilitates uh, access to housing or, or, or makes the process of more streamlined uh, using technology, that, that's a great definition of uh, prop tag. Awesome. Okay. Another one that I picked up on just to help people navigate the conversation as we go, and this is going to be an important one, is LTB. Yeah, the LTB is the Landlord and Tenant Board. Uh, that in Ontario, that's the kind of uh, a judiciary kind of entity that you have to interact with or deal with uh, um, for landlord and tenant matters. Uh, so they're the ones that enforce uh, uh, the RTA, which is another acronym for the Resident Residential uh, Tenancies Act. So you know, if you have a conflict with your tenant or, or landlord, you're going to have to go and, and appear in front of the LTB. Awesome. And geographically, um, Villar is based out of Toronto. I'm based out of Toronto. So we're going to talk about Ontario 
a bit more nuanced because the rules are going to be vastly different. And I want to talk about some of the differences province to province um, as well. But before we go there, before we talk about the LTB in detail, which is a riveting subject, um, I want to get into your background a little bit and how how you even came up with the idea to start Single Key. Yeah, for sure. I, I you know, and my, my background, I'm I'm an engineer by background. Uh, I spent uh, you know a few years of my career in in that space. Um, yeah, and you know, I I was always working on side projects, and and uh, you know, I started a landscaping company when I was a student, which was very successful. And uh, you know, I kept coming back to to like wanting to kind of start my own business. In 2014, I did an MBA, and I kind of switched more more onto the finance side of the, uh, the industry. So I was working at the banks, Capital One, TD Bank, uh, primarily in the analytics space. So kind of bringing the data-driven kind of uh, uh, engineering background to, to the financial world. So in consumer risk, uh, analytics, uh, uh, lending on the retail side. And, you know, the idea kind of came to us as we were looking for ways to kind of basically own more of the share of wallet of, of tenants. And we realized that, hey, look, our tenant customers are spending 30 to 40% of their paycheck on, on their rent payments. And there was nothing, there was nothing there. There was no financing behind it. There was no lending. There was no insurance behind that, that, that huge share of wallet that was going out on a monthly basis. It was just a check or, or a e-transfer to the, to their landlord. So, you know, we started looking into or studying that space and figuring out how do we get into that, into that transaction. And it was pretty clear that we had to incentivize the landlord. We had to really kind of, uh, they're, they're ultimately the, the, you know, the ones that held the keys in the relationship. Um, so we had to provide literally value. held the keys. Yeah. We held the keys. Uh, and, uh, we had to figure out a way to, to add value to them. So we started, uh, uh, digging in, doing customer studies there, trying to figure out kind of, Hey, what's your, you know, when it comes to renting your property or your real estate investment, what are the biggest pain points? What's keeping you up at night? And the answer kept coming back over and over that, Hey, you know, we heard a couple of like complaints around like, well, you know, I wish it was easier to find a tenant. I wish it was easier to kind of like list my property, it was easier to manage it, blah, blah, blah. But the big, the big concern that, that really they cared about was, Hey, I need to get my rent check every month so I can cover my mortgage payments, right? That that was the number one concern is that I've got a property that I'm responsible for. I need to make sure my tenant pays me so that I can then go ahead and actually, you know, be able to kind of uh, carry the the property. And you know, when you're a small landlord, you don't have the the scale that the big guys do, like the multifamily properties, to to be able to kind of like, uh, you know, like to, to basically self-insure, uh, uh, where you know if one or two of your payments your tenants don't pay that month, it's not a big deal. It's just part of your PL. You expect maybe one or 2% of your rent roll to, to, to default. Uh, these guys, you know, the average Canadian landlord has about two and a half properties on, on average under management. So they're very kind of like, they, they, you know, to lose six months or, or eight months of, of, of rent due to, uh, you know, a tenant not paying your rent and, and not wanting to leave is a huge shock to your, to your, you know, cash flow. And we saw this become a big problem even during COVID where like, hey, you know, you had these eviction bans in place. You couldn't get tenants out for, for almost a year in some jurisdictions. And some lenders, unfortunately, had lost their properties. They had to sell because they couldn't afford to carry their, their own mortgage and, and, and the rental property as well. Um, so that's when it dawned on us that, hey, look, this, there, there's a big risk risk factor here. And, uh, you know, I, the concept of, of the rent guarantee that, that, that came to us was that, hey, it's a perfect use case for applying insurance. It's something that doesn't happen very often, but when it does, it costs a lot of money, right? Uh, you're looking at like, a, you're looking at somebody that, that gets a delinquent tenant. Uh, they're going to they're gonna lose about six months of rent on, on average. Now it's closer to eight times 2000 bucks a month. You're, we're, we're talking um, like $10,000 at least. Yeah. Yeah, it's maybe fifteen thousand dollars in rent, lost rental income, plus legal fees, plus potentially property damage. You know, can can easily get up to twenty thousand dollars. That's like basically totaling your car, right? And, yeah. and 
you know, everybody's got car insurance, but nobody's got a rent guarantee. So that's a comparison I'd like to make to say, hey, like this is a massive cost to you as a landlord. And if you're not well protected, uh, uh, it, it can have a huge impact on, on your business uh, of, of real estate investing. So, you know, why are you paying that hundred bucks a month for your auto insurance and not for, for, for your rank, for your rent guarantee? So that's what we're trying to do now. You know, we saw that, hey, there's a need for this. Nobody was doing it. We jumped into it. We were lucky to actually find an insurance partner early on in the game to, to work with us on this that, that saw the potential. And uh, we are reinsured through, uh, through, through Lloyd's Markets here. So we have a big kind of, uh, um, you know, uh, capacity provider behind us. Um, and we've been, you know, we've been very successful, I think, in the last three years to getting a lot of traction in this space. You know, I think the, the problem that we're solving resonates with a lot of our user base. And, um, and we've been able to, to, to get thousands of lenders to sign up for it and, and, and utilize it. Being your target demographic and a user of single key, I can definitely say it solves a massive problem. You've got to get you an R N guarantee program. <laughs> yeah, um, I do. I do want to clarify one thing. So when you talk about insurance, it's insurance for the landlord that you are providing. Essentially, that's the problem that you're solving as one of the products you offer. So it's it's mostly it's mo what we're underwriting, and you guys is basically like delinquent tenant behavior. So tenants that basically refuse to pay and or won't leave. Right. Uh, and, and the challenge, again, the, the, the real risk comes in the fact that, hey, the legal process is so lengthy that you end up, it ends up costing you a ton of money in lost rental income, legal fees and property damage. So basically, you know, this is not homeowners insurance, property insurance that, that covers you against flooding, damage, theft, whatever, accidental, you know, accidental events. It's more, it's something that really kind of is underwriting away delinquent tenant behavior. Right. Okay. And that's something that, that it's, it's hard to kind of uh, predict. A lot of tenants end up, you know, they're, they're great tenants when they come in, then they lose their job or, or they get affected, uh, in, you know, in other ways. Uh, there's maybe a bad breakup or divorce. Now they're no longer able to, to, to pay or insolvent. And, you know, that, that, that's how a lot of these things happen. And it's hard to predict when, when life happens and things go wrong. And, and uh, now you're, you're, as a landlord, you're left carrying the bag. So we're, we're looking for a way to basically take away that risk from you. Um, and, and do so at a low cost. And I think it's affordable too. Like that's a really big distinction that I want to make, but I do want to pivot a little bit to the tenant perspective because what we're seeing right now in the, in the market, you know, with offer presentation dates and with there being so much demand, there are more people in the rental pool than potentially ever before. If you look at how many people are immigrating to this country, refugees coming in, right? So that's where the increase in demand is coming from. Now, on the insurance side, one thing that is fairly common for people to know exists is tenant insurance. So I want, I want you to break down for us what that covers and why, as a tenant, it's important to have tenant insurance. For sure. And, and I think, look, at the end of the day, our, our role here at Single Key is that we basically build trust between landlords and tenants. So we want to make sure we keep both sides accountable, add transparency to the relationship, make sure that, hey, they're both behaving the way they should be in, in a legal and compliant way. So we're happy to kind of basically make sure that we're basically providing advice and, and kind of guidance to, to, to both sides and to protect them from from folks that want to take advantage of them, right? So, um, you know, I think there's tenant insurance aside, I think there's a lot of big topics for, for, for or big areas that tenants need to be wary of in this market. Because when the market gets hot like this, you have issues when it comes to fraud, you have people taking advantage and taking deposits. We've got rental apartments being basically just kind of like sold off without even visiting them in person. So like people will, will kind of force you or pressure you into getting that first and last month's deposit in just to lock in the lease and then they'll disappear. Uh, you've got landlords trying to really upcharge or increase rent uh, unlawfully. So there's a lot of risks in, in a market like this. 
Um, you know, renter's insurance is a good place to start. You know, it's something that we offer here at Single Key. Typically, it's it's great for tenants to to get renter's insurance before they move into a new lease. The, the benefits for for renter's insurance is it offers you some general liability. So, hey, if there's any, you know, if you have a party and and there's an accident or somebody gets hurt, it does cover you from for any kind of liability that you have there for to, towards your guests. Um, it also covers your contents. So, for example, if you have a laptop, you have some great furniture, uh, or you have any valuables in the home, and there's a break-in or there's theft, or you know, if there's a flooding, right, and it destroys your furniture, you can actually make a claim towards your uh, renter's insurance, our our tenant's insurance policy, to cover a lot of those losses. Um, and and in, in some cases, it even covers, um, you know, if you're in a building where potentially your neighbor above you kind of left the tap on and there's a damage to your apartment or, you know, there's a fire. So there is a lot of cases where it can come in and provide a lot of uh, coverage for you. And those are things that are not necessarily covered by the homeowner's insurance or by the landlord's insurance. So that's really where the benefit is there. Now, typically, a lot of our landlords that are in our system make it mandatory on the lease for, for tenants to have renter's insurance before they move in because it does offset some of their liability as well. Uh, when it comes to their property, you know, what we've done is we've actually built it into our app where it, when you screen a tenant, you you approve them and you put them on the lease, we will send them an offer from our partners at uh, Cooperators, at Duo or at Square One. Uh, we'll get them to get a quote and, and sign up for it. And then what we'll do is we'll we'll make sure to monitor that, that renter's insurance, make sure that, hey, you know, they did actually enroll for it. They've got proof of insurance and make sure that also they didn't just kind of turn it off on the next month and cancel the policy, right? Because you want to make sure that you have the coverage throughout the year and you renew it. On year two, so we we have an API connection to actually monitor the status of that policy for for our landers as well. So that that's you know that that's one 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 area that is very important. So there is a, a bunch of different topics we can go into from here. Yeah. I love that you mentioned fraud. I think that's a tougher one to dive into, just because you know fraud is going to happen in any industry in any event, and I think the way that you protect yourself is just by being aware of Absolutely. different scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the problem is, though, that, that in a hot market like this, where you have to like, you know, there's a lot of pressure on you as, as a tenant to kind of just jump at the first thing that, you know, that that's a good fit. And you've got to be careful, right? Because, you know, we're seeing now uh, um, offers being made. I, I talked about the 12 month deposit as becoming more common. But we're also seeing that, hey, you just don't have the luxury of waiting for in-person viewing. Some people are actually just looking at the place online. And they're putting offers right away without actually visiting the place in person at all. So, you know, when you're in that kind of environment where it's a bit of a pressure sale, you're way more open to 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 fraudulent activity. And there are people out there taking advantage. So you've got to be careful as a tenant. You know, if a deal looks too good to be true, it probably is. Um, you know, if, if people are asking you for, you know, wires or, or, or checks or deposits or e-transfers without actually meeting them in person or without handing it over in person, you've got to be very careful. Uh, I, I just actually get a, gave a great, a, a quick interview on this uh, with the Toronto Star as well, where they're seeing, you know, they're seeing more and more cases of fraudulent activity in the real estate space. And, and uh, you know, as a tenant, you have to be a lot more cognizant that this is happening and a lot more careful and make sure that you take steps to, to protect yourself. So one great example is make sure that, hey, you know, once you do agree to the lease, try to meet the landlord or the, the agent in person to hand over the, the, the information. Uh, make sure that they own the property. So ask for a, a free utility bill or, or a deed or, or some sort of ownership or proof of ownership uh, instead of just, you know, showing up and asking for a copy of the keys. 
Um, and, and so I, I think, yeah, you think in, in this environment, you have to be extra careful as a tenant to make sure that, you know, you don't fall into one of those traps. And, and uh, as you mentioned, especially with refugees or people moving out of country where they don't have the ability to kind of come in in person and, and, and have a, and meet that person, you've got to be extra careful and, and ideally work with somebody here that you trust or, or hire a realtor to work with you because they will reduce some of your liability that way. Uh, so those are some of the tips I would have for, for kind of preventing fraud. Those are some good ones. I think all it comes down to common sense and, you know, gut instincts. If it doesn't feel right, if it feels sketchy or suspect, it probably is. So those are easy situations to avoid. Uh, and just because you get frustrated that, hey, you've been to 10 leases, you know, 10 showings now and you haven't, you know, gotten the lease. It, it's not, it's not an excuse for, you know, bypassing some of, some of those common sense uh, checks and then kind of jumping into things uh, quickly. Yeah. hundred percent. And the same way that you're looking at apartments or places to rent, you're also looking at potential landlords that you want to be renting from. So you need to really understand what that relationship will be like. Because if something happens in the in the space, you want to be able to know that the landlord is going to come and fix it and it's going to be accessible. So if they're not responding to messages, for example, that's a red flag. You know, are they going to respond to you if something happens where the heating doesn't work? Um, so that's a good thing to keep in mind. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. No, making sure that you have a landlord that's responsive. Look, at the end of the day, a, a tenant is a customer of a landlord's business, right? So, you know, you're a landlord yourself, Nicole. So it's your responsibility to make sure that you service that customer, you're responsive, you're dealing with any issues they might have, just like you would in any business, right? So uh, I think a lot of people forget that. It's at the end of the day, your, your tenant's your customer and you want to make sure you keep them happy. Um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, as we kind of think about our role here at Single Key, we're looking for ways to, to kind of hold hold both parties accountable when it comes to their behavior, when it comes to their, you know, level of service and and, and kind of interactions with with one another as a way to kind of re take away the risk and then build more trust with, between the two parties. Um, one challenge as well that we've seen in this space, Nicole, is that you know a lot of a lot of lenders had to drop their rates during COVID to be able to attract tenants, uh, given that everybody was fleeing the cities and and kind of you know moving out. Um, so what's happening now that it, one or two years later, those rental prices that were at, a, at an all-time low during COVID have gone up by 50%, right? So, you know, you've got a landlord there like, well, hey, you know, I rented that property out for 2000 bucks a month, but now I can probably get $3,000 a month for it. So what they're, what they're trying to do is get tenants out. You know what I mean? Sounds and, like a situation that you've been uh, through personally. Well, and it's very common, right? It's not... Yeah. I have for sure, but we're also seeing it in a lot of interactions that we have with our clients and it's, and it's a common pain point. And I, you know, I, I, while I do kind of sympathize with landlords given that, Hey, Oh my God, like my, my, you know, my um, uh, mortgage payment went up 50%, uh, the market's up 50%. Why is a tenant only getting a 2% raise, you know, on their rent uh, as per, you know, uh, Ontario regulation. And I get the frustration, but at the end of the day, look, these guys are not shareholders into your in your property, right? They they have no they have no skin in the game. There are rules that protect tenants from depending on what type of unit that they're occupying. Uh, there's rules around rent increases and how much you can get away with. And you know, a lot of tenants get pressured, or or they get manipulated, or they get you know offers from from the landlord to try to get them out. And many of them, unfortunately, do fall for them, right? So, as a tenant, I think it's very important for you to spend some time to get to know your rights. Uh, join potentially join like a landlord and tenant group so you can learn more about the uh, you know you can you can talk to the community understand your rules if you have any questions you can ask them another great those uh, are so good sorry to go back to the Facebook groups I'm in a lot of them yeah um, you know there are 
paralegals in there who have been through so many different situations. I mean, a lot of the times I'm reading through posts and it's like horror stories, but as a tenant, there is a very, very important thing that you said there, Villar. It's important for you to know your rights. And I want to circle back to one piece. I just want to highlight it. So we kind of glossed over it pretty quickly. What is the legal increase that your landlord can increase your rent by in Ontario? We'll start with Ontario. We'll talk about different provinces as well. And and that's a good question because I jump from province to province here. It's usually close to two and a half percent or two percent on on an annual basis. And it does fluctuate. It's 2.5 in Ontario. Yeah. And some provinces is higher than others, depending kind of like what what regulations they have in place. Um, And I believe... um, I believe that uh, de- depending on kind of how the market is doing, it, it'll it'll change as well, right? Uh, um, so, for example, there's there's you know there's years where it's it's less, there's years where it's more. Uh, I think now, given the inflation, you know, it's typically on the higher end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is a challenge I think a lot of folks are having is that hey, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, as a landlord, you know, um, I, all my costs are going up by ten percent because of inflation, right? My my property tax went up my you know my my um my taxes are up my maintenance fees are up my utilities are up everything all my costs are going up why am i not allowed to increase my you know my rent by by 10 percent as well to to to, to pass the fees on to the to the end user or to the to the tenant and i get it you know but ultimately you know that that's something you have to take into account or that's a risk you have to take into account as 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 a homeowner when you do get into this business is that hey costs fluctuate and you may not necessarily be able to pass them on to your to your tenant at the end of the day and that's part of the risk that you you take in, in entering this uh, um you know this, this business well i'm so happy that you said that because being a landlord isn't for everybody there are costs that you need to consider from a planning standpoint if you know uh, one of you guys is ever looking into a rental property or wants to be a landlord one thing that i always recommend is to have an emergency account set aside with ideally, this is a lot to ask for, but ideally six months of mortgage expenses. And you can use that, like Alex and I've had to dip into that numerous times for maintenance, for all kinds of different issues. So six months is a lot, yes. Aim for three, but you you should definitely not buy a property, aim to rent it out without having an emergency account of at least three months of mortgage payments. Because what happens if shit hits the fan? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, you know, to, for, for you to be successful, or the biggest risk you have as a landlord is going insolvent and not being able to carry the property. So I, I think it's very prudent to have a plan in place and have an emergency fund to cover those unexpected expenses or, or loss of rental income. Great example, right? Uh, and make sure that you stay liquid and, and kind of have the, you know, be always be able to pay a mortgage, uh, especially during these kind of like shocks of the market or the economy. I want to circle back to the tenant side a little bit because I feel like landlords, they, it's always, it's interesting because this is like a philosophical debate, right? Um, But tenants need to be protected because it's, it's difficult, you know, to be, to be a tenant in an environment like this. There are rules in place for a reason. Um, Certain states, and I think politics will influence this slightly. Like if you look at some of the red states down South in the U.S., Florida is a big one, Texas, the rental rules out there are not always in favor of the tenant and it becomes very dangerous. It's a lot easier to evict somebody. And that's where, you know, I want to hear your thoughts, Filler, on, on some situations like that. No, you're, and, and you know what? It, it is a bit of a sliding scale, uh, Nicole, is that, yeah, it, it does absolutely depend on, it is a bit of a political, political issue now. And I would say, you know, the fact that it's becoming more of a prominent political issue 
uh, you know, you hear it, you hear it, you hear it in the political circle coming up all the time. Housing affordability is a crisis, vacancy crisis out there. There's not enough affordable housing for people. Um, you know, uh, they, they haven't built enough uh, the supply issues. And I think what's happening now is that politicians are picking up on that. Oh my God, housing is a real concern for a lot of Canadians and Americans out there, right? So as they're going out there and kind of looking to implement policies, they have to they have to basically cater to the tenant. And the reason for that is that there's a lot more tenants than there are landlords, right? So it's a bigger voting base. And that's what we've seen. You know, the, 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 you know we've been in business since 2017 now. We're seeing more and more changes that are becoming more, you know, that, that, are, making, that, that are making the environment more tenant favoring in terms of regulation. Because as you mentioned, they, they, everybody feels like they have to protect the tenant. They have to keep them at home. COVID was a great example of that, where we saw a shock to the economy and they, they quickly stepped up to, to, to enact uh, you know, eviction moratoriums where even if tenants weren't able to pay, you couldn't get them out. Uh, um, the, uh, and I think the problem, you know, th there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. But unfortunately, a lot of those regulation changes come at the cost of the landlord. So what ends up happening now is that landlords become more skeptical about entering the rental market. And, and, and we need them because we need them to add supply to the rental market. If you have that, if you have that empty rental unit, or if you have that empty condo that you left because you bought a home, or you have that empty basement suite, or, or you know, laneway house, uh, we need you to get that unit and put it in the rental market so we can add supply and we can solve the vacancy crisis out there. And unfortunately, by making it harder and harder and riskier and riskier to become a landlord, the government is, is actually disincentivizing them from doing that, right? And we, I think we have some stats. Last time I checked, there was 1.3 million empty units across Canada. Wow. Which is a crazy number. And you're thinking of, well, why is that? Why don't you, don't these landlords want that rental income? The answer is yes. But the problem is that by having a tenant in there that doesn't pay rent, it, it really locks up your liquidity where, hey, if you're planning, if you're not sure if you, if you want to, if you need to sell this property in the next year or two, having a tenant in there makes it way more difficult for you to sell that property because it's harder to show. It's harder to kind of model and then kind of clean up and all that. And especially if they're not paying rent, nobody wants to take on that headache. Uh, by buying into that property. So it really takes away your 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 liquidity. And, and we saw this happen during COVID where a lot of lenders were like, oh, I can't evict the tenant. Great. I'm just not going to rent out this property. I'm going to leave it empty until they change that law. Right. So I think I think while the government intends to do well to by protecting tenants, they have to they have to really rethink that strategy because the problem is that by adding more risk on, onto the you know in, 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 onto the housing providers uh, uh, business. They're making it harder for them to jump in and add supply to the market, which is what's critically needed to, to basically provide more competition, lower prices, and give people more options for housing. There are so many things in there that were, were absolutely incredibly well said and resonated. Really eye-opening when you're talking about the fact that there are more renters in the voting pool, and that's why politicians will relate their policies to that. I'd, I'd never realized that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty common thought, but um, yeah, very well said. Yeah, and, and you know one thing we're we're doing on this end as well, Nika, here at Single Key is that we're we're actually now trying to work with the municipal government to potentially put together a pilot in market where hey, let's use the Single Key rent guarantee as a way to basically take away some of the tenant risk from 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 landlords. And hey, if you're a first time landlord and, and you're hesitant to jump in the market because you joined all those, all those landlord Facebook groups and you heard all the horror stories and you're like, oh, I don't know if I'm if I'm cut out to be a landlord. Well, this is a way of you entering that rental market and, and, and doing it with training wheels. So if anything goes wrong, we're here to kind of support you and protect you and cover in your losses. And, and you know, hey, if we can get the government to sponsor us and to, to you know, ultimately it costs about $1,000 to actually cover the risk for a year uh, for, for these types of properties. And that's a way lower cost uh, of adding 
new rental supply to, to the rental market so that we can have some sort of, just like there are first-time home buyer incentives, let's make sure there are first-time landlord incentives. So instead of taking a, a, a stick approach to solving the housing problem, let's take a carrot approach towards solving the housing problem by providing more incentives for, for homeowners and housing providers to add more, more rentals to the market, because that's what we need right now. Very, very well said. And I think it's a, a fantastic solution to the problem and the fact that rental prices are going up. Everything that we've talked about, the way that you phrase that is let's let's work together with the government in order to make renting more accessible to people and getting those 1.3 million vacant units to the market, which ultimately is going to drive prices down. It's going to increase supply. So I think it's a, a fantastic way to approach the problem. Absolutely. Miller, I do, I do want to circle back a little bit more to the tenant side because we talked about a few things there when we, we said theft and, and scams are an issue. We talked about rental increases. Is there anything else as a tenant I should be mindful of that isn't isn't kosher or isn't legal in terms of either rental agreements or just anything that I should be mindful of? Yeah, I think, you know, the, 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 a great benefit that, or at least one great thing about uh, renting in Ontario is the fact that, you know, uh, there, since uh, 2018, uh, uh, the, the province of Ontario actually enacted an Ontario standard lease agreement. So it's, it's, a, it's a standardized lease agreement that every landlord uh, should be using. And uh, uh, the, the, the legislation further kind of precludes that if, you know, if a landlord is using a different type of, uh, of lease, lease agreement, you can actually request them to actually send you a copy of the Ontario Center Lease Agreement in, instead. And more so, you can't really have any kind of clauses or, or, or terms in, in, in your lease that, that conflict with what's already stated on the Ontario Lease Agreement. And, you know, it's a 15 or 16 page document that has a lot of um, common sense, or at least it, it addresses a lot of the common concerns uh, uh, in regards to kind of who's responsible for what, uh, what are some common kind of mistakes and conflicts or, or, or issues that, that come up or, or that are you know, uh, so the good the good thing, at least about about the Ontario Standard Lease Agreement, is that it, it forces everybody to kind of like have some proper terms in there, and, and not to not to get too carried away as as a landlord when it comes to kind of uh, having too many restrictions or, or or odd things that are not non-standard in there. So I think it goes a long way towards protecting tenants, and I think it's important for a tenant to you know go go to the Ontario government website and download the Ontario Standard Lease Agreement, read through all the clauses because it'll give you a good sense of kind of roles and responsibilities uh, in, in the rental experience. There's also some great resources out there for them. You know, I think the uh, the Leonard uh, Self-Help Center is, is a great one as well. Uh, that's a, a not-for-profit organization that's sponsored by Legal Aid Ontario. And they've got some great kind of uh, tutorials, videos, and it, help, it, it does a great job of kind of really kind of illustrating kind of, or at least the most important parts of the Ontario Residential Tenancies Act. Um, and similar other provinces have similar materials out there that are available. So I think as, as a tenant, hey, especially now, you know, we're, we're finding that folks are spending more and more time in, in the rental market. You know, it used to be that it was just kind of a stepping stone, but now it's not unusual to spend 10 years renting uh, until you're able to buy. Um, so I think it's worth spending a few hours to really educate yourselves on your rights uh, as a tenant so that, you know, you're not taken advantage of. 100%. I love the fact that there's a standardized agreement. I think it's amazing. It makes things so much easier from yeah. the landlord's perspective as well. But when it comes to, you know, these these non-standard clauses, a lot of them won't hold up in court That's or 
especially if they conflict with the, the San Elise agreement, which is exactly, great. Exactly, exactly. So one thing that uh, I learned recently through you know these landlord tenant groups, which again highly highly recommend you join, whether you're a tenant or a landlord, there are so many different resources and experts that are in these groups communicating. Um, so one thing is, if somebody has a pet, you cannot discriminate against them as a landlord. Of course. You cannot, um, you know, tell somebody that they can't have people over. You can instill curfews. Like if you have a clause like this in your your rental agreement, it does not hold up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for, for us being in the business for a while now, a lot of these things are common sense. Yeah. You know? uh, but, but you know, hey, if you're new to this, you'll find that, you know, you're not sure. And, and you'll find, you know, landlords in general, in my experience, are much more versed with, with the, the reddits uh, with the rules and the tenants are and they will use that to their advantage right mm -hmm. so you know it, it, they know that they not they're not supposed to kind of discriminate against pets or, or certain types of uh, cases but you know most tenants don't know those rules so that they will kind of take advantage of that they will kind of put in those kind of clauses or they will ask tenants to not do certain things that they are totally uh, able to do like some of the cases you described. So that's why I think it's so important for tenants to really take some time to really understand uh, some of the, the, the rights that they have under the RTA um, so they can, you know, so they can be in a better position to negotiate with their landlord. 100%. And to be able to push back, you know, if there's something that is not okay, to be able to stand up for themselves and say, like, you can't do this. I, I understand that you're a landlord, you're in a position of power, but this was not in the contract that we signed up for when initially uh, I signed the lease, or if they make you try to sign something that is not a legally binding agreement. I have a close friend of mine that just went through a crazy situation like this. Phil, you you actually may know her as well. And um, her landlord had tried to increase her rent far beyond the 2.5% increase by basically saying that they are incurring additional costs with utilities and in the lease, it wasn't mentioned that they would be paying additional, like additional utilities. It was included in the lease. And so they're trying to artificially inflate um, the rental price through mm -hmm. utilities, which is not okay. Because yep. it's far beyond that 2.5% increase. So that's one. Second thing is, if a landlord tells you that they are going to evict you after they ask for an increase, there have been cases brought to the uh, brought to the LTB. Uh, it's called a bad faith eviction, essentially. And so, because there was cases in the past that have been through this method, it doesn't it, it created a precedent. So, if a landlord first tries to increase rent, you don't agree with it. It's beyond the two point five percent, and then they send you an eviction notice. That is a bad faith eviction. Yep. Yeah, and, and and to add to that as well, even even if the reason for for wanting you out is a legitimate one, so for example, hey, they need to if they say that hey, I need to move in myself or I need to renovate the property, so I need you, I need you to kind of move on. Um, you know, if if first they try to raise your rent, then that that still becomes a, a bad faith eviction because mm -hmm. it's obvious that now they're looking for an excuse to get you out, given that they tried to raise the rent and they weren't able to. So that that's a good one. I I I, I bet you not many people know that 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 rule exists. And it, as I mentioned, it's very common, right? Because we've seen prices increase dramatically from COVID to till now. And many landlords are looking for any way they can to increase the rent and, and pass on some of the rising interest costs to the tenant, even though they're not legally uh, able to do. What would be the cases where a landlord can evict somebody? And what would the process look like? Well, I think I think those are the two two most common ones. Basically, you know, if, if you do need to use a unit yourself or, or a close family member, it has to be, you know, a, a very close family member. Uh, um, then that's a legitimate 
you know, uh, you, you do need to provide 90 days notice to your uh, to your tenant. Um, renovations are another common one as well. Hey, uh, you know, I need to kind of empty the, you know, we're going to be doing renovations that will affect your quality of living or that where it would be dangerous for you to stay in the unit during that time. Mm. We're going to need you to, now there are rules around kind of like tenant being able to kind of return to the unit after the lease, but hey, if those renovations take three or six months, nobody's going to want to stick around. Right. Yeah, so, if they're going through the hassle of moving all of their things either way from a tenant yeah. side, why would you want to go through that twice unnecessarily? Right. For sure. And and you know, we, we've seen, you know, we've seen some lenders take advantage of that. You know, rent evictions were a big kind of a, a, a headline story for, you know, especially pre-COVID as as right as prices were going up. A lot of people were investing more, trying to get tenants out and replace them and, and be able to charge market rent. Um, and I think as a tenant, you need to be kind of wary of them, right? So like it's 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 you know. At, at the same time, I think you look. You know, if you've been at that property and, and you're you're paying way below your market price, you, you can kind of sympathize with both sides in, in in that sense. You know, we've seen, and and we've seen some lenders being kind of having to pay cash for keys. I've I've, I've seen cases where, you know, they they've offered six months of you know to the tenant as a as an incentive to get them to leave, right? Because mm-hmm. they knew that if you can get them out, and they needed to sell that property, they could get a way better uh, valuation or, or kind of price in the market. If the tenant was out and they could charge market rent for that property. Yeah, so, that's definitely fairly, fairly common. I've seen that. You know, I have friends that are landlords. And well, if you are looking to right. sell your place, it's easier yeah. to sell it without tenants in because then that new buyer can set new rental rates and you know, because their mortgage potentially is going to go up as well. Their costs are going to be Absolutely. higher. Yeah. And and that's that's what I mean by, you know, having a tenant that can become a bit of a, a can really kind of remove your liquidity as, as a seller or, or really kind of uh, lower your price. Um, and and the, the argument there is that, well, why should lenders have to do that? Why should they have to pay thousands of dollars in, in kind of cash for keys deals to get tenants out to be able to get, like, you know, good you know, to basically get get a proper uh, assessment or, or price on their on their unit and they're looking to sell. Um, now, technically, as, as a tenant, your landlord cannot ask you to leave if they're selling the property. The, the the you know the tenant has the rights to actually stay in the property and their lease being assigned over to the new buyer, right? So it's that's not a valid reason reason for for asking a tenant to leave. And this is where we see a lot of conflicts between lenders and tenants, where lenders want them out because they want to raise the rent or they want to basically sell the property vacant, which will fetch a higher price. Tenants not wanting to leave because they've got a good deal on their rent, and you know sometimes them having to pay uh, you know. A, a big deposit to them or a big incentive to, to, to basically get them to leave. So it, it, it's a, it's a bit of a, diff, you know, it's a bit of a situation. You can kind of see where both sides are coming from, but it definitely is a, is, is a problem in the market. One thing I also shared here as well, and we'll put the link hopefully on, on the podcast as well, uh, you got, is uh, this is a, a great kind of resource for help for, for tenants. There is uh, what's called the uh, residential housing in, uh, enforcement unit. So there is a, a government agency that basically is responsible for enforcing uh, the rules of the RTA. So if you find that your landlord is violating those rules, so such as, for example, you know, uh, asking you to do things that are not uh, uh, compliant or, hey, that they won't return your deposit like they're supposed to, mm-hmm. you can actually give them a call and they will follow up with your with your landlord. You know, typically for, you know, landlord and tenant managers, are consider, they're considered civic. Uh, so, so the police typically does not get involved in these cases. But, you know, the, the, the residential housing unit will usually take these on. Or you can go to the LTB, but this is a much easier way to kind of get access to justice if you feel like you're being wrong somehow. So that would be the first step. And then going through the LTB, 
landlord tenant board is a much more difficult process. Absolutely. And it really depends on the use case. You know, there, there are legal helplines out there that can help you kind of point you in the right direction. Uh, but this is a great way, a great place to start uh, and to resolve things faster without having to wait eight months to appear in front of a judge at the, at the uh, LTB. 100% filler. We talked about so much here. Um, just how to protect yourself if you're a tenant, how to use common sense to avoid fraud and scams. If something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. Trust your gut. And most importantly, understand your rights, know your rights, and don't be afraid to speak up if you feel like you're being wronged. Um, that was the the tenant perspective that we looked at. But from the landlord side, don't be afraid to be a landlord. It's incredible. It's it's you know a fantastic way to build wealth, in my opinion, non-biased at all. Um, but it, it's something that if you have a vacant unit and you've thought about it, I 100% think that it's worth doing, especially because it's going to create housing opportunities for people in need, for people that are refugees, you know. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, don't, don't be afraid to get help as well. And I think, you know, you know, Nicole, so many people are actually kind of like uh, investing in housing now as a, you know, as a way to build wealth for retirement and to put money aside. And, and I think it's a great kind of investment vehicle. Um, now the challenge is because it's become such a common and widespread kind of a retail investment tool, you're getting a lot of, you know, uh, unsophisticated investors getting into this space. Right. So I think it's very important for you as a, as a, as a homeowner, as a landlord or real estate investor, to really educate yourself, to, to, to get help from professionals, you know, whether it's a paralegal or, you know, whether it's single key to, 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 to kind of mitigate your, your tenant risk. Um, there's a lot of resources available out there. So uh, to, to both sides. So it's definitely kind of, you, you definitely owe it to yourself to kind of look around, see where, where, where you can get some help on both legal side, as well as on the best practices on the compliance and, and, uh, and take advantage of all, all tools that are available to you. Well said, Miller. Honestly, I, I want to thank you for building Single Key as a user, as somebody that you know has benefited from it tremendously. It's an incredible platform um, that I've used firsthand. So thank you for building an incredible product that solves a real problem, not just for landlords but for tenants as well. And and thanks for being a, a you know a, a, thanks for your kind of your business, obviously, and you guys, and for for some of the great feedback that you provided as, as you've kind of uh, interacted with the platform. Of course, always happy to provide feedback, um, but I appreciate you iterating and, you know, building something incredible that, like I said, benefits so many different people. So Absolutely. thanks. And one thing before I go as well, uh, we've got some great uh, now features coming out for, for tenants as well. You know, we've been very landlord focused so far uh, uh, in our journey. But uh, hey, you know, a lot of landlords like yourself are bringing tens of thousands of, of, of tenants onto single key every month. You know, it's, it's crazy that we started this business not too long ago, and now we're responsible for thousands of leases being approved or declined. So we take that responsibility very seriously. And uh, we want to make sure that we provide a very data-driven kind of fair approach to, to decision-making for landlords as they decide whether or not to lease their tenants. Um, but we're also looking for ways to actually add, add value to the tenant side of, uh, of the experience as well. So one, one way that, that we're kind of, uh, you know, one, one great kind of feature that we're bringing to market now is that we're allowing tenants to set up a single key account when they, you know, when they run a single key report and to then take basically that allows them access to their report to share with other landlords. So, you know, what, what you'll see typically is when a tenant goes through the leasing process, they won't just apply to one landlord, they'll apply to multiple properties. And many of those landlords or, or, or homeowners will actually run a credit check on the tenant. So what you don't want to do is you don't, you don't want to have five inquiries onto your credit report for five different applications because they might have a small impact on your credit score. So instead, what you can do is you can actually get your first single key report. You can basically copy and paste that, that shareable link and, and basically share it with as many lenders as you'd like while your report is valid within 30 days. And that you know pre prevents repeated hits to your credit. 
and it gives the landlord a, a trusted source for that report. So you're not doing a borrow well or credit karma report that you can, you know, you're not taking a screenshot and sharing with your landlord because that's easily modifiable or, or, you know, people have issues with with faking some of these items as well. You're instead offering the, uh, you know, a link that they can trust, you know, it's coming from the source and it's not uh, easy to modify. So that that's, that's one of the, the great features that we're offering. We also have an automated rent collection tool now that basically is is free free of charge for tenants to use to be able to pay their rent through a, a PAD or pre-authorized debit. And the great thing about that now is that you don't have to remember to send an e-transfer every month. You don't have to write 12 checks to your landlords every month. But, and, and, and so not only is it just automated, it saves you time, but it also reports those payments to the credit bureau. And that's awesome because it helps you build credit as you, as you pay your rent. And, uh, you know, given that it's, it's your biggest expense on a monthly basis, we believe that, you know, especially if you're a student or new to Canada, it's a great way to build your credit as well by just paying your rent on time to your landlord. That last bit is so, so, so critical for somebody that's trying to build credit history because when they go out and they want to get loans or they want to apply for a mortgage, having a strong credit uh, or having strong credit is so, so, so important. And, and it's, it's a huge piece when it comes to credit inclusion as well. You know, everybody has to live somewhere. So if you're a renter, you know, that's your biggest expense on a monthly basis. It should definitely count towards building your credit score so that in the future you can position yourself for home ownership as well. Amazing. I love the fact that that's included as part of an offering. Um, on the landlord side, a lot of landlords like to run credit checks on their own, knowing that people will manipulate and, uh, you know, change up credit karma or borrow well reports. But credit karma is a great way to keep track of your credit score if you are wanting to see improvements, um, it's not something that you would want to submit to a landlord, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, again, with the rental market becoming more and more competitive, it's, it's, it's so easy to cut to, 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 or it's so tempting to go out there and just change a credit score on your PDF or on your, you know, credit karma screenshot or, or fake a, an income statement. Um, and it's becoming a big, a bigger and bigger concern for a lot of landlords out there. So as single key, you know, being a data a trusted data provider, we're looking for ways to kind of like, take away, improve the accuracy and, and kind of basically add more trust to, to our reports. So one, one thing that we're actually adding to our new reports now is that they actually come with QR codes and it has a ver scan to verify me QR code. So even if you get handed over a paper report or a PDF or a screenshot from single key, you can take your phone, scan that QR code. It'll go to our website. It'll run the, and it'll basically check if this is a valid report or not and show you what the credit score is in our database so that you can verify that it's the same on your credit report as well. So these are some of the steps that we're, we're looking to kind of counteract some of the uh, falsification and kind of, uh, um, you know, modifications that we're seeing in the market. Amazing. So many new things that have come up even since I used this last, but that's awesome. I love to hear it. I love to see the innovation and the evolution of uh, even from where you were a year ago. It's incredible. So hats off to you, Miller. Keep at it. Keep grinding. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it so much.